Welcome back to the Beyond Rockets podcast. I'm your host, Clark Dunn. The Beyond Rockets podcast is a way for me to showcase and highlight some of the small business owners, entrepreneurs, and talented creatives here in the Rocket City that make Huntsville way more than just a Rocket City. If you're not yet subscribed to the podcast, you can subscribe wherever you listen. You can follow me on YouTube at Beyond Rockets, as well as Instagram at Beyond Rockets to stay up to date with new and exciting things happening in Huntsville, as well as new episodes as they are released. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy. This podcast is sponsored by Affinity Recruiting and Consulting. 94% of small businesses and nonprofits disappear before their 10th birthday. The top 6% survive and thrive for two reasons, talent and strategy. Affinity's team of experts provides talent acquisition, outsourced HR, strategic planning, and fundraising support. Long story short, they fix the problems that cause small businesses and nonprofits to fail. If you could use help with recruiting, consulting, or HR, email their founder, Rob Murphy, to start a conversation today. You can also visit them online at affinitytoday.com. And both of those links are in the episode notes. Welcome back to another episode of Beyond Rockets. Today, I sit down and talk with the owner of All Shook Up Bar and Beverage Catering, who is dedicated to providing an exceptional bar and beverage experience for your event. They provide fresh, perfectly balanced cocktails, craft beer on draft, and great wine served beautifully paired with fun entertainment and games so that your event will be enjoyed by all attending. Thank you so much for joining me today. Would you like to introduce yourself and we'll get started there? Yeah, absolutely. I'm Brent Kinnemer, owner of All Should Go Bar and Beverage Catering. Been in the bartending game for a couple of years. We started in 2019, right before COVID hit. Uh, great time to start a event business, of course. <laughs> but we survived through it and we pivoted and were able to keep providing good services. And here we are on the other side of it. <laughs> As Huntsville is continuing to grow and I'm continuing to talk to more and more people, a lot of people are transplants. A lot of people have come here because of work or family. Are you originally from Huntsville or are you a transplant yourself? I'm close enough. Um, <laughs> my parents grew up just south of Huntsville in Union Grove and I moved into the city when I was 20 years old. So I mean, I've been here for the last 15 years and just Really crazy to see all the growth. and uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's been insane over the last yeah. even five years, just how much Huntsville is just booming. I've been in Huntsville my entire life. And so seeing it through the stages of places you would go and places you wouldn't go. And now you're like, there's really nothing off limits now. You can go mm-hmm. anywhere. And there's all sorts of fun things to enjoy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's insane. So I know All Shook Up actually isn't your full-time job. Can you tell me a little bit about your background and what that's in and what you do now for your nine to five? Yeah. So my full-time gig, I'm a test engineer with NASA. I'm a contractor through them. And a lot of my background, I got into beer tending, right? Okay. So just serving craft beer a couple of years back, just looking for something to do on the side, pick up some extra cash. And it was by accident. I got sent out to another bar, the owners of the craft beer store that I worked at opened a second bar, a full service bar. And I go out there, they send me out there to cover a shift. And while I was there, I asked the manager, I said, Hey, teach me how to make cocktails. <laughs> Never had a cocktail I enjoyed. I said, teach me how to make cocktails. He said, all right. He teaches me how to make a Sazerac, which is actually one of the oldest written recipes in history. Wow. And it's a variation of an old fashioned and it's actually the official drink of new Orleans. Okay. And so if you go to new Orleans, there's a Sazerac house. Wow. And there's now a whiskey that's named the Sazerac. I don't think I've ever had a Sazerac. It's a phenomenal cocktail. Okay. But he teaches me how to make that, and it just absolutely blew my mind. And from that point forward, I started pretty much drinking and reading everything I could get my hands on. Maybe not the best way to learn, Eh, but it was fun. It's a way. It worked. It worked. You're here today. It worked. And I just never stopped. So what year was that around? That was 2000. 2017. Okay. And that was like your first really, you kind of jumped into that role, kind of is just pouring beers, but then kind of got that first taste of like, Hey, this is what cocktail making is like. And yeah. you just got hooked. 
yeah. right off the bat. Yeah, pretty much up until that point in time, the only cocktail I really had was the old fashioned. Okay. And even those were questionable <laughs> uh, half the time, right? So yeah. I'd been around to some of the cocktail bars around town, right? Sip was opening up at that mm-hmm. time. And we all had old fashions there, but outside of that, you didn't really venture into <laughs> cocktails much. You just like old fashions where everyone drank. You either yeah. drink like bourbon neat, bourbon went on rocks, or you drink yeah. an old fashioned. That was like your three options. Yeah. And that was it. And I guess at the time, like was Sip really the only sort of craft cocktail place in town? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm fairly certain most of the other places were you're using store-bought ingredients, yeah. pre-made juices, mixers, things like that. They're overly sweetened and nobody really knew anything about creating your own syrups, right? I remember walking in there one day and if you've ever been to sip Marley, he was back there with a hot plate and on the counter making his own syrup. And I just blew my mind. <laughs> You're like, wait a it second. Just, yeah. It was just like a cranberry syrup it's like, for why, Christmas. Why, why didn't you just go to the store and buy this? Yeah. Like, no, like this is how you make this craft cocktail yeah. and the taste is so much better. And could you right off the bat taste the difference of what a craft cocktail was oh, yeah. and that the art of putting it together versus the taste and the experience of just going to like a restaurant that maybe just gets the store-bought ingredients. Could you taste right off the bat? Like, wow, I really like it this way. Oh yeah. There's a huge difference in that uh, fresh, real flavor that comes from real fruits, real spices, rather than that artificial flavor that's kind of put together in a lab. Yeah. There's, and that's ubiquitous across pretty much every <laughs> food industry, right? There's always that difference between fresh and not. Yeah. And so when did you kind of first have the idea for All Shook Up and kind of that idea of like maybe offering this sort of mobile bar, catering events, doing mm-hmm. that kind of stuff? When did you first have that idea and was the name always All Shook Up? Because I know there's a cool story around the name. Yeah. So the idea came to me, I was working at the hotel downtown. And during that first year when it was opened, I got a lot of service on Saturdays Okay, where we would open about three o'clock in the afternoon. And by the time we opened, there's already people down there. And most of our early guests were people from out of town that were in town for a conference, a wedding, something like that. And so they would come down and pregame their event yes. in the lobby with me. And then about four thirty, five o'clock, they'd all get on a bus or get in their Uber or whatever and go out to their event. And so I'd sit there and twiddle my thumbs and sweep the same <laughs> spot for five hours until they got back about yeah. nine o'clock or so. Nine, nine thirty, ten o'clock, their event ends, they come back. And it was every single weekend there was somebody who had something to say about the lack of quality drinks or how much better the drinks were in the bar, wow. things like that every single weekend. And so you hear that a couple of times <laughs> and then your wheels start turning. You're like, wait a minute, why am I not at the event? Yeah. If they can't wait to leave the event to get a good drink, why am I not there? And there? they would stay longer and they would enjoy right. it more. Right. And so the wheels started turning and I started researching it and trying to figure out and see if it was something I could do. And a lot of it, of course, you couldn't figure everything out <laughs> right off the bat. Yeah. So a lot of it, of course, was just trial and error. Yeah. And, was there uh, anything else really doing anything you envisioned? Did you see some other people in town like, hey, like this person's kind of doing it or this person's yeah. kind of doing it, but not really the way that you envisioned to actually construct not, the company? Not in town and not really in the state. There are a lot of successful craft cocktail bartending companies out in different states. Mm-hmm. You, know, you go to Nashville, you go to Atlanta. Yeah, they're probably everywhere. Yeah. Going to Memphis. There's a lot of them. But there was nobody really around Huntsville who was dedicated to craft cocktails, high-end service, professional service, things like that on that higher scale. So it was definitely a niche, filled it, or filling it as best as I can. <laughs> but it's been a, definitely an experience. And going back to the name of it, it took a while for me to come up with the name. And I really didn't have an alternative. <laughs> um, I was just like, wow, what am I going to name it? What am I going to name it? And I enjoy pop culture references and references to history and things like that. So the name all shook up 
right, comes from the Elvis Presley song, mm-hmm. Love Them All Shook Up. And the way that it popped into my head, I remembered the scene from Cocktails with Tom Cruise. <laughs> and in that scene, he's standing up and he's giving his recital of the last bartender poet. He's on top of a table right before the <laughs> bar opens, right? And he takes a shot and he jumps down and he's like, oh, the bar is open. When he jumps down, the reporter who ends up being his love interest in the movie later, she's there and she's taking his picture and talking with him and they flirt back and forth and he goes to start making her drink and him and the other bartender there, they're doing their flair thing and throwing everything back and forth. And while they're making her drink in the background, it's all shook up. (laughs) And you're like, this is it. Perfect. Yeah. And it's like, you really didn't have any other idea prior to that. Were you already doing any servicing without having it? You still had had the name. You hadn't started really getting right. out there and you just click. This is, is going to be called All Shook Up. I yeah. think it's perfect yeah. just because like the experience you offer, and we'll get into that a little bit later, just it fits it perfectly. It is the tense you have at these events, the branding you have. I mean, it fits it perfectly to a T. And so you have this idea. You see this need. You say, like, I can feel this need in Huntsville. Huntsville's growing. You've been able mm-hmm. to see Huntsville grow over your time being here. Uh, what were some of the first steps that you took besides just coming up with a name to kind of get this business yeah. from just an idea and the ideation stage to actually, I can execute this and start providing service and value to customers? Yeah. There were a lot of questions that I had to figure out. We deal with alcohol and the alcohol industry. So there's a lot that you have to make sure you do, make sure you don't do outside of your normal business stuff, right? Yeah. Of course you get your LLC, you get your business permits, you get your sales tax permits, all that jazz. And then, I mean, outside of that, it was, all right, so what can I do <laughs> and what's going to end up with me getting put in jail? Yeah. So, and that's and, what I want to And avoid. like, and like, Alabama's alcohol laws are very yeah. tough to go around. I mean, it's one of those things that, like, I know a lot of places that do food trucks or other sorts of outside food entities or drink industry entities will kind of link it to another business because it's a little bit easier, mm-hmm. but you're having to kind of go from scratch of like, I have this, this needs to be all within me. Yeah. And so going through all the different loops of... Was that just Googling it and just, how do I do this? And then, okay, yeah. this is what I need to do. This is what I need to do. Okay. Or did so, you assist? Yeah. Or did you reach out to somebody and say, hey, I don't really know how to do these things. Yeah. I had to have some fun conversations with the ABC board and the health <laughs> department. And that was pretty much it was just call them up and be like, this is what I'm doing. Yeah. What can I get away with and what should I really avoid? Yeah. And even doing that, we still had some whoopsies. I wound up with the State Bureau of Investigation and came to my house one time because they thought I was trying to traffic alcohol oh. illegally or something. <laughs> and I'm like, no. No, this yeah. is not what I'm doing. I go to events and I do cocktails. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So you still have some instances where you got to talk to people that you don't want to talk to. The normal starting a business itself is already a tough thing, but then kind of starting a business in the alcohol realm is just, yeah. I mean, very, very difficult. What were some of the first kind of steps you took to kind of start marketing yourself once the business was formed mm-hmm. to then get yourself to go to these events, these private parties, the weddings? Like, how did you get yourself out there? Yeah. Social media. Start social media. And then I was still working at the hotel lounge. And a lot of people who were coming to the hotel were local-ish, right? They may have been from Middle Tennessee, Birmingham, places like that, in Atlanta, whatever. And even then, of course, the hotel lobby is open to the public. And we actually made good drinks there. Like, I mean, I worked there, and of course they were good drinks. But so we still, of course, had a lot of local people coming in. And that clientele that was coming into the hotel lobby was very similar to the clientele that I was wanting to market to. Yeah. So it's basically, all right, I got my business card. Hey, guys, if you're throwing a party, whatever, give me a call. Give me a call. And I was just leaving them out on the hotel lobby and just let people know as I was working that I was going to start freelancing and doing my own thing. And then, yeah, just creating the Facebook page, Instagram page, things like that. And of course, about the same time that that was getting ready, right? <laughs> so I incorporated in October 
and I really didn't get my brand done until around December-ish. Okay. Branding came in, and then January, February, of course, is a really slow season, and those are things I had to figure out. Okay, when are the seasons of the market? When does stuff yeah. happen? You know, all that jazz. Was, that's not what you... It was all like a learning you phase. Yeah, that. you don't know that. There's no way for you to just... You don't know to yeah. Google that or to ask those questions <laughs> yes. until you're in the industry and you're learning that stuff on the on the spot. But yeah, doing the Facebook pages, the Instagram pages, and of course it was really slow through that January, February events don't really yeah. happen during that period of time. But then of course we get into March and all of a sudden COVID hits and everything <laughs> stops. So the idea just hit me one day to pivot. I was like, people are still drinking. Yeah. Probably even more. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. People were still drinking, and yeah, I talked to a lot of the sales reps, and they said, "Yeah, the alcohol sales just through the roof." Yeah, Yeah. of course, everything in the restaurants closed down, but they more than made up for it with the in-home sales. And so I said, "Okay, look, people are still drinking, but the problem is they're used to this quality that they can't go out and get anymore, Mm -hmm. right?" And this was even before the ABC started doing their change their law where you could, where the restaurants could sell a closed bottle. Yeah, right. But even before they started doing that, I was packaging the juice and the syrups and stuff like that just in a bottle, everything but the alcohol, right? Slap a label yeah. on it, and I was selling those. And that was, I still get calls today, and they were <laughs> like, hey, we got alcohol from you during the shutdown. Can you come do our party? Yeah. I mean, that is still a huge part of your business right now. And I know yeah. like on your website, you have a couple of different core business services that you provide. Can you talk a little bit about what those are? Because mm-hmm. I mean, the package stuff is a huge part. You're catering and yeah. all the different stuff, but I'll kind of let you go into all the different things that you do and kind of what your specialty kind of is. Yeah. So we've got three different main services that we provide, three different areas. And the first one, of course, is bartending for the weddings, the festivals, things like that. And in that, we don't really, we're a little different from a lot of other vendors is in that I don't provide a pre-built package. It's more like we do everything a la carte. We make sure that we provide the services that you need, that you want, and we're not going to overcharge you for anything that you're not receiving, right? So I'm really transparent with my pricing and my packaging and stuff like that. But in the services for the weddings and festivals, we typically see three different types of service where you have people who just need beer and wine service, right? And they need somebody who's reputable, who's safe and is going to look after them and make sure that you're not carrying any liability because mm-hmm. there's a lot of liability when it comes to alcohol service, oh, yeah. especially even if you are not the person who's selling it or serving it rather, right? You can still be liable. Like if you're a host of a party mm-hmm. and you are providing alcohol for everybody, you can still be held liable even if you never touch wow. it. Wow. So that's something that a lot of people are, yeah. <laughs> There's so many different things that you probably didn't even know when you first started either. You're like, oh, wait, get note to self, make yeah. sure I'm, I am liable. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah um, so having somebody who's safe and professional and can take that liability off of you is a huge part. Mm-hmm. So even just the beer and wine weddings, you need to have somebody who's licensed, who knows what they're doing. And then, you know, outside of that, then we typically see our most popular thing that most people take advantage of is we call that limited cocktail package and that's two to three cocktails. We'll provide everything except for the alcohol. But even with that, we do recommended shopping list so that you know how much to get. So with those, of course, we're doing fresh squeezed juice. We make the juice the day of syrups are the same way. We make all of our own syrups and we flavor them with real fruits, real spices. And those are a lot of fun. And then we provide all the garnishes for it. And then the last package that we typically see people use is our full bar package. And then that is, Basically, we'll provide everything for you to have dang near any drink. (laughs) Right? I mean, we provide all the canned mixers, all the juices, all the syrups. And then on top of that, you can pick out like a couple of premium cocktails to add on to your menu. Mm -hmm. Right? Things like we've got a blackberry lavender martini that's extremely popular. 
we have a rosemary old fashioned that we'll be making later. Okay. Those are really, really popular ones. So things like that. And then in that festival, one of our other services that a lot of people like to use is what I call the bespoke cocktail service. Okay. And it's where I'll make a unique cocktail based off of you and your inputs. And I can use almost anything as inspiration into the cocktail. So I talk to you guys, like I'll talk to the clients, I'll get some information about them, learn like what brought them together, get their history and then find out other things that they like. And I think one of my favorite ones that I had so far was a couple wanted to do two signature cocktails okay. inspired by their dogs. Wow. And so I literally just was like, tell me about the personality of the dogs. <laughs> yeah. And I built two cocktails based off of that. So they had two pups. Their names are, I hope they don't mind me sharing the story, but <laughs> their pups' names were Sorghum and Luna. Okay. And so Sorghum is actually a wheat that grows. We don't really use it much anymore, but sorghum syrup is something that they used to use. Like my grandmother used to use it on wow. biscuits and stuff like that. So I did a sorghum Kentucky mule. Okay. Right. So I used the sorghum syrup and I made it sorghum and ginger syrup to go with the ginger beer and the lime juice and, and wow. bourbon. And then the other one, Luna, they said Luna is, she's black, but she's really chill and she just likes to lay around and be easy. And <laughs> so I took that and I did a gin based drink with cream de violette. So it turned the drink purple, right? Okay. Purple. Luna, right? <laughs> it all goes together. And then I did lime juice for the acid. And then to sweeten it, I did a jasmine syrup. So jasmine flower. And the reason that I chose jasmine, they really like this one. The reason that I chose jasmine is that it only blooms at night. Oh, wow. So, there you go. Yeah, so that is that's that so crazy how yeah. you're able to kind of make that unique cocktail that has so many different elements. And you have the expertise and the knowledge about the drinks yeah. to pull from it. Because someone like me would be like, um, <laughs> I know how to make a gin martini. Yeah. <laughs> like, is that what you want? And yeah. so it's super cool that you're able to kind of pull all this together. And because like I actually first met you through Bradley Hamner, who's my business coach. We had a retreat and you actually came and walked us through a cocktail making course. And we made three different cocktails. Yeah. We had the full lineup of all the different fruits. It was a amazing, amazing event. You even talked about the history of cocktails. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned earlier today, you've actually brought some equipment to make a drink. Can you talk, talk us a little bit about what you, we have to try today and kind of walk us through this process and talk a little bit about the history along the way. Yeah. So this is part of what we do with our cocktail classes. This is one of the other services that we'll offer for smaller parties. I can handle up to about 40, 45 people. And I'm actually going to Atlanta to partner with another bartender next month. And we're going to do a 100 person cocktail class. Wow. Yeah. It's going to be a big event. It's going to be <laughs> really fun. But what we do in these is basically we pick out a couple of cocktails and I'll not only show you how to make the basic cocktail, I'll bring some extra things like extra fruits, extra spices, extra herbs, and teach you how to make those drinks unique to you to fit your specific. Yeah. And I thought that, I thought that was yeah. the, the most interesting part. Cause we definitely did make some drinks that night that were not fantastic. <laughs> I think Bradley made one that was a little too spicy. Yeah. And he quickly had to pour that one out and make a new one. That was a little yeah. less spicy. It was fantastic. Yeah. Shout out to Bradley Hamner. If you're listening to this, but it was a super fun night. Cause it's like, yeah. I think for most people, I think about cocktails, they think about the base cocktail, the, yeah. hey, I get an old fashioned or hey, I get a gin and tonic or hey, I get a whatever. Yeah. But then you're like, wait a second, you can really throw in any of these ingredients, any of these spices, any of these fruit and make it unique to what you like. And this is something that obviously you can't always get when you're out. But this is something you can do at home. A lot of things are very unique or not so unique that you probably have them at home already. Yeah. You just throw them into a cocktail and they actually taste amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so it's super cool. And I'm super excited to make this drink today. Yeah. All right. So what we've got today, we're going to be doing an old fashioned and an old fashioned is, of course, a very old cocktail. It actually used to be called just the whiskey cocktail. So the term cocktail, the first definition of it that we saw 
was printed back in 18, 1803 or 1806. Can't remember the year, year exactly. In a tabloid, it was revolved around some politicians who had come into town and were electioneering and campaigning. And they basically drank the town dry. <laughs> they bought everybody booze and trying to get them to vote for them. Right. You could do a whole lot of stuff in 1800. <laughs> yes. No. It might get you in trouble now if you did that. But it used to be referred to as just a cocktail. And you had gin cocktails, whiskey cocktails, things like that. Those are the two main famous ones. And as you got closer into the early 1900s, late 1800s, pre-prohibition, it became the term old-fashioned was born out of blue-collar workers. Okay. And it was this thing, it was almost a, or it was a way that they would order their drinks because they didn't want to appear so posh or hoity-toity, you know what I mean? <laughs> yes. So they'd come up to the bar, and during that time, pre-prohibition, we had a lot of different, a lot of really great cocktails were out there. There was this really creative scene that was happening at the time, and they were making all sorts of different things, like the fruit-infused syrups isn't something new. They were doing this in the 1800s wow. and the 1900s. I mean, you can go back and find a lot of recipes that use stuff like that. And so they were doing these really great craft cocktails, but the blue-collar workers, of course, didn't want to come up and order <laughs> something like what was a popular one, the Clover Club. It's a gin and raspberry Yeah type of drink. Okay. And it was actually made for a gentleman's club. <laughs> and so that was how they ordered it. They'd come up, oh man, let me get one of them old fashioned cocktails. Right. And it just stuck. Yeah. And instead of calling it the whiskey cocktail, people just called it the old fashioned. Okay. Yeah. There we go. And that's how we have it now. But it's a really basic cocktail. All that you really need, I know with the advent of the internet and Facebook and everybody being able to share recipes and stuff like that, <laughs> there's a rather large group of proponents to the old fashioned of getting it made the correct way. And so you'll see people muddling and things like that and everybody loses their mind. So the traditional recipe for it, all you need is sugar, bitters, water, and your spirit. So of course we use bourbon and for water, the water comes from the dilution of the ice as it melts when we mix everything together. Okay. And then the bitters, we're using Angostura, which is, that's your classic recipe. Angostura is one of the most famous bitters. It's not the original, but it is one of the most famous I bitters. I think what was cool, one thing that you brought up in our thing that I would love for you to bring up now is that we'll bring it for the video. They can see it too. But if anyone's gotten the Angostura bitters, their yeah. label is always a little too big. Yeah. There's a cool story about that that I would love for you to mention yeah. if you got a second. So yeah, there's two facts about Angostura that's really, really cool is this was actually invented by Simon Bolivar's the liberator of South America by his surgeon general. So he created these bitters as a type of medicine that he'd give to the soldiers. And then his two sons actually took the recipe and entered it into a competition. I guess they were still doing competitions back then. So <laughs> the cocktail competitions is nothing new. But they entered it into a competition, and one brother was responsible for ordering the bottles, and the other brother was responsible for ordering the labels. <laughs> and for some reason, they didn't talk until of course, they came in. Of course, of course. So they came in in these two different sizes and they were like, well, it's too late now. Just slap the label on it. And it was something that was very memorable and the judges loved it, gave them extra points for creativity, <laughs> right? And boldness. And so they just never changed it. There you go. It's very easy to spot at a grocery store yeah. because the label is so ridiculous for the bottle. Yeah. And I think it's one of those things that it's easy for someone that's not into cocktail making or hasn't really, is wanting to get into it. And someone says Angostura bitters and they go and they look they could just show them the label and they're like, oh, I know exactly. I'll be able to find that. No yeah. problem. And it's pretty easy. So I'm super excited to make this cocktail today. Yeah. So you ready to get started? Yeah, on that? Ready to get started. All right. Let's see if we can move up. Yeah, we can move the arm a little bit. We can okay. kind of get a little comfortable. There we go. All right. So we've got a couple tools out here that we're going to be using. 
The first one, of course, is the massive glass that we have here. And this is just a mixing glass. It's got a heavy base on it. It's easy to be able to add ingredients in there and stir everything together. And it's also really thick to keep a lot of the thermal properties of your hand transferring from the glass and into it. Perfect. So that's going to be where we we mix everything in with. What we're going to mix with, of course, is going to be our bartender spoon. And what makes a bartender spoon unique, of course, is not only its long handle and the tiny little spoon that we use, but also the spirals on the handle there allow the spoon to twist in your hand as you stir. Okay. So when we stir, there's actually a technique to it. We don't want to just jam the spoon in there and like agitate everything. What we want to do with an old fashioned, one of the things about the old fashioned is it's a heavier cocktail. Okay. And you don't want to aerate it and mix in a bunch of bubbles and stuff like that. Right. It gives it a better presentation when it's smoother and it's all together. And then it feels better as you drink it. Okay. So when we stir, we place the backside of the spoon up against the glass and let your hand rest. And then the spoon actually rotates in your hand, keeping the back up against the glass the whole time. I'm definitely a novice, but we'll make it work. Yeah. Okay. There. So those are the two main things that we're going to be using. And then to measure it, we're going to be using our jiggers here. So okay. these are or these are recognized by they've got two bells on the top and bottom side. A lot of different styles of these, but this one specifically is called a Japanese jigger. And it's that way because of the bells are so long. And it actually makes it easier to do smaller measurements and pours. So if you look inside of these, they have graduations on the inside of Perfect. like half ounce, three quarter ounce. And then on the small side, the very top of it is one full ounce. And then you flip it over. And the long side on this one specifically is two ounces okay. at the very top. And then there's a line for an ounce and a half on the inside. Perfect. So it makes it really easy to measure and pour. And then we're going to be using our, this is called a Hawthorne strainer with a spring on the inside. There's another type of strainer that's called a julep strainer, but I don't use them a lot in my business and the way that we do things. These work perfectly fine. It'll slip into the top of the cup there and this will keep the used ice from getting into our drink. So we're going to stir with one set of ice and we're going to put fresh ice in our cup. Okay. There's reasons for that, of course, is as you mix the drink, the ice is going to get smaller. So if we use the ice from mixing, it's going to dilute faster in our drink and we want our drink to stay the same once we pour it. Perfect. Okay. And then last thing that we've got in front of us is a Y peeler. And this is what we're going to use to get the peel off of the orange. And we're going to use the orange as a garnish and just to get some of the orange oil and some of the flavor into the drink. So I'll show you how to do that too. Perfect. And then last thing that I've got here, of course, outside of the ice scoop. Last thing that we've got here is a massive tub of Luxardo cherries. I go through these crazy. So I buy them in bulk from Amazon. That's crazy. That's yeah. a huge box of cherries. Yeah. Yeah. There's actually a, a one size up that I'm probably going to have to get next. After <laughs> these Cause I've only had this thing for like a month and I'm almost done with it. Wow. Yeah. So I okay. go through cherries like crazy. Everybody loves old fashions. Perfect. All right. So to get started, we're going to start with just adding our ice first to our mixing glass. Okay. So we got the ice scoop and we're just going to get some ice out of here. Perfect. Okay. So the first thing that we're going to do, we're going to start with the Small ingredients first, and then we work our way up to the bigger ingredients and the more expensive ingredients. Okay. And that's a preference for me of how I build cocktails. So is that how you build most any cocktail, or is that just how you build old fashions? That's how you build most cocktails. Okay. And I do it that way. You're not going to mess up the drink if you add the bourbon first, right? It's just a preference of the way that I do it. And I do it because if I mess up, because I'm human, and it actually happens sometimes, (laughs) I do make mistakes. If you mess up and you add the wrong thing or add too much or whatever, then it doesn't hurt your feelings just to toss it and start over. Yeah, for sure. So all we're going to do is just two dashes. So these bottles have a dasher on them. So when you turn them up, it's just a little bit of it's going to come out. We do two to three dashes of it. So this is a new one. So we're not getting a whole lot out. So I'm going to do four or five in there to make sure I get enough. There we go. That should be good. All right. This stuff is messy and will stain everything. So go ahead and cap it. Make sure (laughs) it doesn't get on anything. All right. And then 
Next up, we're going to do some syrup. Okay. So this is a house-made rosemary syrup that I make. It's Demerara sugar, which is a less processed sugar. Has more molasses content, so you get more earthy notes, which is great pairing with the bourbon, and really bring out a lot of the oaky flavors and those. If you have a bourbon that has a lot of cooking spice flavor to it, things like that, mm-hmm. that's really going to come out too. Okay. You use a Demerara syrup. Other interesting syrups that you can use that are going to have a similar quality. You can do any of the brown sugars, of course, light brown sugar, dark brown sugar, or agave nectar is an interesting one that I like to use because it's that. So agave nectar, of course, right? It's got a lot of that earthy quality as well. And so it just has a different flavor. So little intricacies that you okay. can use to play around with. Love but that. This is a house-made rosemary syrup. So it's the Demerara and rosemary all infused together. And we're just going to do a half ounce of this. Okay. Perfect. That's the line on the inside there. Yep. It is. So we're going to flip it around. So we've got the small bell up top. And we're just going to pour to that first line in there. And then just add it to our mixing glass. Perfect. There we go. And then this is a really popular mix that we sell as well. You can get it from us from on farmer's markets. Or order it online. Contact me over Facebook or Instagram. And we can sell these to you. They make uh, they make great holiday gifts, or if you just drink a lot of old fashioned, <laughs> worry about having to make your own syrup. All right, last one that we're going to add is going to be the bourbon. And okay. today I brought some Clyde May bourbon. A lot of people are familiar with uh, Clyde May's Alabama style whiskey, which is an eighty proof product. And what made it popular was Clyde May's. He was a moonshiner, right through Prohibition, and he made his whiskey and aged it with uh, baked apples in the barrel. Wow. Okay. So that was his. That was his recipe. Huh. Yeah. And so they do something very similar today. They distill that product out of Connecticut, Alabama, and then a lot of people don't know this, but they have a bourbon, and they also this is just a straight bourbon. Okay. Ninety-two proof. Perfect. Yeah, ninety-two proof. Really good product, and then they also have a rye that's phenomenal as well. That most people don't realize that they have these. So this is a great product. I love it. Most people love it. I think I've had some of their stuff before. I'm a big fan. Old fashions is actually funny you make it because it's like one of my favorite cocktails. So we're going to do the big bale, two okay. ounces of bourbon all the way up to the top and just pour it straight into our mixing glass. Perfect. Mm-hmm. We've got these bar mats down here. So if you spill a little bit, it may hurt your feelings, but it's not going to make a mess. Perfect. Mm-hmm. All right. So we've got everything together. We've got the ice in there and the way that ice melts, I'm not really worried about it just sitting there for right now. So we can sit in there and talk for a second. Okay. And like I said, so what we're going to do is place the backside of the spoon up against the glass and we're just going to slide it past the ice and we're going to just give it a gentle stir so that we don't agitate it too much or introduce too much air. And normally I'll stir for about 10 to 15 seconds. But one of the other things that I look for to know that it's getting to a point where it's diluted and mixed well is I typically also look for the smell of the bourbon coming out of the glass, right? So we can start smelling it right about now, right? Yeah. And so about the time that it takes alcohol to start evaporating and lift from the glass to my mm-hmm. nose is typically about the same amount of time that it takes to stir it and mix it and get Perfect. it diluted really well also. All right. So we're done with our glass. Okay. So now we're going to get our drinking glass and add some ice to it as well. And now we're just going to pour from the mixing glass into our drinking glass. So we're going to grab our strainer, cap that on there. And these have a little tab that you can use to push up against there and make sure it doesn't come off. Not really any special way to hold it. Just make sure that the strainer doesn't fall off into your drink. So we're going to pour most of it until it's dripping. We're just going to tip it back and give it a little shake to make sure that we get all the rest of the liquid off. The ice, because you want all that bourbon to get in there. There you go. And then we're done with that. All right. And then two more steps that we're going to do. Now we're going to do the orange. So we take our Y strainer, and we're going to peel from top to bottom, like so, and just get a nice, thick, 
orange swath. Perfect. I remember doing this at the thing, and that was not very good, so we'll see how well it goes today. There's really no telling. How do you hold it like this? Yeah, you want to put the blade flat up against the orange and then just keep gentle pressure and do a smooth pull all the way across the orange. I will take so that. So one of my tips that I do, I'll show you here okay. real quick too, is the same hand that's holding the strainer. I use my thumb on the bottom side, press the fruit up into it, and then just very gently. I usually give it a gotcha. little wiggle to get it started and then just gently and smoothly pull it back. There you go. Yeah. more you know. Yeah. If you want to use that one. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. All right. So fun little phrase here. Um, point the outside of it over the glass, and you express by squeezing it. Just give it a little pinch all the way across. So we express, we give it a little bit of a roll to make it look nice, and then we caress, express and caress. Then we just drop it in there. We want to use all the ingredients, make sure they all go into the drink. Anything that we use to make the drink goes into the drink. And then last, we're going to get some cherries. We're just going to use our bar spoon, scoop one out, maybe two, and then just add them to the drink there. And that's it. That's how you make standard old-fashioned. Perfect. I love that. Cheers. Cheers. That is fantastic. Mm. Wow. That syrup is so good. Thank you. Thank so, you. so good. Yeah. Well, it's like, not that hard to make. It's just equal parts, the dim, sugar, the rosemary. And that rosemary really kicks in a lot on the bourbon and pairs well with that. Interesting thing about old-fashioned glasses, there's like a specific reason that is old-fashioned glasses or called rocks glasses. The reason is that they all have this thick base, right? That's the signature mm-hmm. component of old-fashioned glasses, that thick glass bottom. And the reason for that is they had to make them that way previously before heat was something that was easily accessible, right? Being able to have a heated stove because that's what, that's how we make mm-hmm. our syrups, right? We do sugar and water and heat the water up to be able to dissolve it and get everything yeah. to mix together. So before that was easily accessible, what we had was the sugar cube, right? You had a block of sugar and you carved off a piece of sugar that was compressed into that and you dropped it into your glass. And what they would do is they would take those cubes put them in the glass, put a couple dashes of Angostura bitters on the cubes, and then they would take their muddlers, right? We have, you know, I've got a spoon with a muddler on the bottom of it, but then they'd yeah. mash all the sugar in there. And so if the glass wasn't reinforced in the bottom, they shattered shatter the glass. Okay. It served a purpose. I love that you incorporate the history into the drink making and the whole process. It's really a core thing of your business. I find that so interesting because I love making cocktails at home. Like I make old fashions. I have a smoking kit to do smoked old fashions at home. Yeah. I make martinis all the time at home. All sorts of drinks. There's always a base liquor in the house ready to make any cocktail at any point. Yeah. And so I think it's so fun to learn the history about it. And it gets me more fascinated wanting to do more and more and more. And we spent the last little bit talking about your background and your history and where you've been. We made a drink. And now I want to kind of transition to the future and kind of where the business is now and where you hope it to go moving forward. Yeah. As we get kind of to the end of 2022, which is a wild, wild thing to think about. This year has flown by. What are some of the goals you have for Ulster Cup moving forward into 2023? Well, so I started the business pretty much as just an extension of myself, right? I gave you the story of customers coming and me being like, well, why am I not there? Why am I not there? <laughs> and so it was very much a personal thing. And then the business became successful and I was like, well, I guess I'm an entrepreneur. <laughs> and so the man is still growing and I really want to see the business continue to grow and continue to be able to serve the community and just being a part of everyone's usually the biggest day of their life for sure a lot of weddings being able to be there being able to serve them serve their guests and just be incorporated into that celebration is something that i really love i enjoy doing it's always great to continue to be a part of that yeah so we want to be able to serve a lot more weddings we're looking at growing being able to handle some festivals and things like that i just got back from a three-day event where 
working with other mobile bartenders from across the country who run wildly successful businesses that way beyond anything I would imagine being able to do on my own. So getting that information, I'm taking a lot of that. We're going to incorporate it into the business. We're going to start growing a lot more. We're going to be able to serve a lot more people and just find new ways and fun ways and fun drinks to serve and just keep helping everybody out and, and make sure that everybody's got a fun, safe, professional event. Yeah. I think what's super cool is just as the business is continuing to grow and you're continuing to grow in 2023, getting that word out. And I feel like for these events that you're doing, a lot of it, for at least Huntsville, a lot of it's word mm-hmm. of mouth. Yeah. People are so connected, even though Huntsville's growing like crazy. I am bound to walk into a place and know somebody. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. There's there's never a doubt about it. Or I know of somebody who knows somebody. And yeah. I think that's going to continue. Even if Huntsville's continuing to grow, that's going to continue to happen. And so I feel like for you being at these events, when you're able to be in front of people at a wedding, the amount of just people seeing you and knowing you and recognizing the name and recognizing your face. I mean, you're just continuing able to grow like that. The trajectory moving forward is going to be huge seeing just how that's able to work out. Thinking over you, this journey you've had kind of starting this business, you said you now you're kind of an entrepreneur. Is this being an entrepreneur, having a small business, something you ever thought you would do? Or is this something you kind of just fell upon and now you've kind of learned and developed the skill? Yeah. Well, you know, you get a lot of social media posts and you get on YouTube or Facebook <laughs> or Instagram or anything like that without seeing somebody post something about being an entrepreneur, yeah. about being their own boss. It really blew up. I mean, over the last what, 10 to 15 years, people have really taken on, really pushed that entrepreneurial spirit. And now, I mean, we have what we call the gig economy where everybody's <laughs> basically a solopreneur in yes. some type of way or fashion, right? So it was always something like, man, I think it would be cool if I could find some way to do this, do yeah, that. Kind of work my own hours and yeah. do that thing, but yeah. never thought it was going to be. Right. And then you look at the statistics and it's what, something like 75, 80% of small businesses don't make it past three years, five years, whatever. And we're now three years in and it's like, all right, well, this is a real thing. Made and, a lot um, farther than a lot can do. And now it's just like, now what's the next step? Now what's yeah. the next step? Because I mean, yeah. you look at the statistics, it's never in our favor to be a small business yeah. owner. You've got to get that taste of being your own boss. And you're like, this is really nice. Yeah. I like this. Sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. When the, you're working at 11 o'clock at night. Yeah, and then you have the flip nice. side. You have the flip side where it's like, man, I really yeah. would love to have a nine to five and be at home from five to 11. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so you kind of balance that. Looking over this journey, how much of your success would you contribute to being in the right place at the right time? And how much would you contribute to your hard work? You can't get to a place without putting in the hard work. So people say, oh, you're just in the right place at the right time. Yeah, <laughs> but I worked my ass off to get yeah, there. You for know sure. I mean? If you're in a room with somebody who wants to pay you $10,000, there's a reason you're in that room. You probably did a lot of stuff to get there. Yeah. And then nobody's going to pay you if you can't execute on what you tell, yeah. on what you say to them. If you're not ready to work, you're not going to get paid. Yeah, for sure. So there's... People can account, oh, just being in the right place, right time. Yeah. But there's a lot of stuff that happened to get there. Yeah. Lots of behind right. the scenes. Yeah. I made a really great connection with another bartending company. The revenue is north of several million a year. But while we were just in the right place at the right time to be able to make that connection, there was a lot of work that happened <laughs> yes, first for sure. before I ever walked into that yeah, room. And 100%. there was a reason that we made the connection is because I've been doing this. I'm on their radar. They're on mine. So because of that work, it was the hard work that got me to the right yes, place. Right for time. sure. For sure. So if anyone's listening to this episode, 45 minutes into this episode, if anyone's listening and they want to connect with you, support you in what you're doing, hire you yeah. for their next event, where can they find you? Where can they connect with you? And where can they learn more? Yeah. So all of my stuff is all shook up catering. So my website is all shook up catering.com, facebook.com slash all shook up catering, Instagram at all shook up catering. 
easiest ways to get a hold of me, shoot me a message, anything like that. If you want to jump straight into trying to get a consultation or schedule some time with me, you can go straight to my website, allshirkupcatering.com. There's a book now button. Okay. Or it's either book now or get a quote. Anyway, it's a button. <laughs> yes. And it's the only button that's on my website, but it's everywhere. You can't, you can't miss my, it. You can't miss it. Just hit the button, fill out the form. We'll be in contact and shoot some stuff over. Whether you're doing, you've got a wedding coming up, you want to do a small birthday party, or you just want to get a couple bottles and mixers, anything like that, it's the easiest way to get a hold of us. We do have a lot of people who reach out to get several bottles and mixers for their wedding. So even if you may not be able to afford having a full-time bartender at your party or at your wedding or anything like that, mm-hmm. we do sell bottles and mixers. And that's a really great way to get a high quality product, fresh product to have to serve at. Perfect. I had no idea that you even did that for weddings, but I that's a huge thing. Cause I mean, yeah. having, especially the levels at which your wedding is going to be. I mean, yeah. you have the huge weddings and you have just go to the courthouse weddings and finding something in between of just a little get together, but having the juices, I mean, the high quality juice and this drink, the syrups, the, I mean, fantastic. And yeah. so I think being able to have that for your special event, right. definitely, definitely, definitely check out your, if anyone's listening, check out his website. This episode will probably be out around December. So if you listen to this perfect time for the holidays, perfect time for a new year's get together. So definitely reach out to him. But I thank you so much for sitting down talking with me today. Absolutely, I've loved no. learning more about your story. I think when we met, we were able to learn a little bit, but then this is definitely kind of, I've learned so much and I'm so excited mm-hmm. to just continue to see the journey that you have in Huntsville yeah. for years to come. So and thank you so much. Thank you. And I appreciate you, you know, giving me the invite to come over here and talk. And yeah. like one of the main drivers too, for me, that, that really makes me love this. I talked about being able to help other people out and be there and be part of most people, their big day. But also another thing is it's real easy around town. We've got a lot of great foodies. Yes. Right. We've For got sure. some good restaurants that are opening up a lot of good local chefs and restaurateurs bring really cool experiences out and around. And I feel like the cocktail scene is not growing as fast as the food scene is. And I think some of it too is exposure and experience, right? Mm-hmm. For sure. You don't know what's out there until you're exposed to For it. For sure. I tell this funny story. It cracked me up. I was in a liquor store. And I see a guy come in by a case of Bush light and then walk out and he gets into his brand new Corvette. Well, he's been exposed to sports cars, <laughs> yes. right? Everybody has. So that's easy to see and be like, man, I really want that. But yeah. until you have, and this it's part of my origin story too, until you have a good drink, you don't know that good drinks is yeah. that you can get it. There's no reason that you have to sit around and go to your wedding or go to a festival or whatever, right? You go to these parties, especially where they're catered and most of the time your host has paid good money to have a good caterer Mm -hmm. come in and make some great food that you can have. But then you turn around to the bar and it's just a lack of exposure. People don't know that you don't have to have somebody serving (laughs) pre-made margarita mix. That's $9 from Kroger, right? That just tastes like corn syrup. (laughs) You don't have to have that. No, you don't have to have that. So you can get these high quality drinks and stuff like that. And so it's that exposure and that experience. And I had somebody tell me one time, he was a investor that I knew he'd come down, he'd drink one drink a month and that was it. But he always came in whenever I was working and he would get his drink. And he said, man, life is just a series of experiences. And my goal is to have as many good experiences as I possibly can. And that's why I come to you because he said, every time I get a drink from you, it's a different experience and it's always a good experience. Yeah. So I look at it as an experience and that exposure and Sunsville continues to grow. I want people to be able to, know and be aware of craft cocktails, things like this. They exist and you can have a good experience while (laughs) you're drinking. And like I said, if anyone's listening and they're looking for the next get together for next party, next holiday party, birthday party, Christmas party, 
whatever it might be. I mean, having that experience that you're able to create, I mean, being able to, like the story you told of just being able to create those drinks for their dogs. I mean, that is beyond, <laughs> beyond specific and beyond just the customer service and the, your ability to detail is huge. And so I thank you so much for being on here. We'll have all of this information in the description of this episode below. So you can find out more, you can follow the links below and you can go learn more about All Shook Up. Thank That's you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Beyond Rockets. Don't forget you can subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen and on YouTube at Beyond Rockets. Be sure to follow me on Instagram at Beyond Rockets to stay up to date with new episodes as they are released. Thank you so much for listening and I hope you enjoyed.